0: If you're a woman business owner who is considering starting your own podcast, or maybe you already have your own podcast, but you would love to learn how to get better at monetizing and making sales for your business from your podcast without coming across super salesy, today is the episode that you want to tune into. I'm going behind the scenes with an interior design expert who has been a podcaster For seven years, and she has made the bulk of her sales for a variety of services and products from her podcast. And she is going to tell us how. She's going to tell us how she got started, what was difficult for her about podcasting, how that has changed, and how she has really grown her sales from her podcast. I'm Christy Bilbrey. Right after college, I started my career in the Senate press office and then the White House. For the next seven years, I worked in corporate marketing before starting my own business. As soon as I did, the one thing I realized that none of those experiences taught me was how to market myself. Promoting yourself can mess with your head. Discovering brand storytelling and learning how to put it to work in my messaging saved my business. Once I learned this, I started teaching other business owners how to put it to work in their business as well. I created the Business That Story Built podcast to help strengthen the stories we tell ourselves and the stories we tell others. Audiences crave the human side of businesses. They want to get to know you, follow you, and interact with you outside of the buying experience. This can be intimidating to say the least. If you're ready to take your mindset and your messaging to the next level, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Thank you so much for joining today. I have been looking forward to this podcast episode for quite a while. I am continuing in the sales series and today we have a really cool guest. She's actually an interior designer, a style expert. So a little different than we typically have, but um, you'll find out very quickly why I think um, she was just such a great choice of guest for a couple of reasons. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Zandra Zura, am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes, really yes, good. That's really good. Wow, like, nobody does that right. I was like, right. I didn't ask the last name. I, I need to get rid of about doing that in advance. Zandra Zura is the founder of Little Yellow Couch, an interior design coaching platform for passionate homeowners. She's also the host of the popular podcast, Style Matters, which has logged in over 250 interviews with the most creative people working in the interiors industry. Within the first year, Style Matters landed on the coveted iTunes new and noteworthy list and is now in the top 1% of her most downloaded of the most downloaded podcasts across all categories globally. Wow, that's really awesome. Thank um, you. Little Yellow Couch has been featured in many media outlets such as Domino, Better Homes and Gardens, USA Today, and Podcast Magazine. Xandra has also been a speaker at several creative business conferences in the US and Canada talking about the business of podcasting and design. With 25 plus years of experience teaching herself how to create beautiful, meaningful homes, she has developed her own step-by-step slow style approach to teaching others how to do the same. Along with the podcast, Xandra has also created a monthly membership called the Slow Style Society. She teaches an online course called Master the Mix and hosts in-person signature style retreats. Thank you so much, Xandra, for
1: joining today. Thank you for having me. I've been really looking forward to this. I've enjoyed our other conversations off, off of recording, so it's, it's great <laughs> to be here.
0: Yeah, so, so just for listeners, a little bit of background. I found Zandra, Um, I can't remember exactly how she popped up, but I found her podcast and I thought this could be really cool for someone like me who appreciates design. The crazy thing is my mom is an interior designer. I think we talked about that. Yes. But I feel like that gene escaped me. <laughs> so I appreciate it. But I feel a little intimidated about how that works out. And so for her her podcast style matters. If you're like, yeah, I'm busy with you know kids, a business, whatever. And I would love to, you know, achieve certain looks, but I don't know where to start. She just has such a great approach that is non-intimidating. It's not like, okay, you have to change your whole life in a month. Um, You will love her. So I definitely invite you to check out her podcast, get to know more about her. So that really intrigued me about who she is. And then also the fact that she's a podcaster and I like connecting with podcasters. So we had this great conversation and I was just kind of picking her brain about, you know, how did you start and how has it grown? And she informed me. That basically she gets the bulk of her sales, her um, sales from all these things that I've just mentioned, um, from her podcast. So much comes straight from her podcast. So I have people talk to me a lot who are um, interested in starting a podcast, or they just have questions like, "Is it worth it? Is it helpful for my business?" And I just thought, "Wow, Zandra is like the perfect person to talk about this because you're not a You're not an online marketer you have a totally different business you are into design and style um but you're using that so powerfully and also when you check out her episodes we'll we'll dig in a little deeper later but you'll find her approach is very non-salesy so she's making all these sales by just engaging with her audience just kind of opening up and just sharing it just it feels so much more like a conversation so if you're someone who's thinking I would love to have that, but I am no salesperson, so I don't know if that's going to work for me. Just, you know, maybe listen, because I know you listen to my show and you're like, well, you are a marketer, so you're marketing. If you listen to her show, um, it's just a different perspective and you can see, okay, maybe this is something that you could do. So before we get into all of the like really cool things going on in her business now because of that, I want to go back seven years ago when you first started, and just kind of build on that progression. So if you could just share a little bit about when you started, what exactly did you have in mind? What were kind of your hopes and goals at that time for the podcast?
1: I love that question, because um probably not what you think. And thank you for all of those super nice things you've said about me. I definitely... I am not a I'm not a comfortable salesperson at all, um, but I have been taught by a few people um, about the importance of connecting with my audience and also remembering that I actually have something that they need and want. Like I am here to help them, not sell to them. Mm-hmm. I want to help, and that makes it so much easier for me. But let me all right. So let's start back seven years ago. So seven years ago, little yellow couch looked a lot different than it than it does today. Um, we weren't even sure what this business was going to be about exactly. and we we stumbled through a couple of things. I had a business partner at the time, and podcasts were kind of the new hot thing. Mm-hmm. And we didn't we there I don't there weren't very many design shows on on you know oh, podcasts okay. at the time. And I think because like we felt too, well, why would I an audio program, be good for design when it's so visual right and so we didn't even we we put it up you know we're like now podcasting is definitely not not for us um but then the more we more we thought about it and I'm going to be completely honest here we needed to get our business off the ground and like I said we didn't even know what that business was exactly we thought it was going to be a lot broader like lifestyle stuff okay and we started as a blog and blogging was really going down at the time when podcasting was coming up. Mm. So it was very hard to cultivate an audience with just a blog. Okay. And so our goal with the podcast was to have a way of introducing ourselves to bigger fish. We wanted to get in front of bigger name designers Mm. So that they would then talk about us and maybe link back to our blog. And, you know, it was sort of like a networking idea that we okay. had. We didn't even, we truly didn't even think anybody was going to listen to it. And we didn't even think that was important. That wasn't even the goal. The goal was just to have an excuse to meet big names. Oh, okay. um, we quickly realized that that was, th- that this was actually the perfect medium for building an audience. And it, it, first of all, we started getting downloads right away and we were shocked because nobody even knows about us. But again, I think podcasting was new and it was a design show. And so maybe it was, you know, we just didn't have a lot of competition probably. (laughs) Um, and we also landed a really big guest in our first season, Mm. um, and I can tell you that story later if you want. I think we should definitely talk about having guests on your show as a way to build your business. Um, but anyway, we we quickly realized that that podcasting for us was going to be this really great medium to put out content, to replace the blog, to be a different way of engaging with an audience. And very quickly, the audience became our number one priority and has remained so ever since. So in 2018, I believe, uh, my business partner left to go do something else. And I decided I wanted to keep going. And so I just took it over. And I've, I've been doing it myself ever since. And it's now 2022. So, right. So for the first three years, I had a business partner. Um. So we're building this audience. We're, we're clarifying who we are, what our brand is, what our mission is. And... Uh, eventually realizing okay well sponsorships are nice Mm -hmm. um sometimes that it feels a little sleazy when you're pitching products that you know I always say oh I have to believe in the product and I do but I also you know these are not products that I already love and use in my home this is somebody coming to me and say hey um I sell extension cords do you want to can I, you know, can I sponsor you? Well, yeah. Okay. I I guess I can get behind that. I mean, I use extension cords, (laughs) but I mean, I, you know, it was just, it didn't feel like a great way to monetize the show. Okay. Um, so always knowing that content was what I cared about the most teaching people, Mm -hmm. showing people how to do things, demystifying style and the whole process. The podcast then was the platform for explaining that and then saying, OK, if you want to take it a step further, here are the other things that I have to offer. OK, OK, so the first thing uh, we did, and I think this is right around the time my business partner left, because I the very first one I did was by myself and it was an in-person style retreat. Mm-hmm. And what that meant was picture my in my mind anyway the best girlfriends getaway ever you are in a beautiful location with fabulous food and the design all around you is terrific you're getting some workshops by myself and another designer and you're being pampered and you you go home with a clarity about what you want to do in your home but you've just been you know basically treated like a queen for a weekend right
0: and this was, you're saying that you did episodes from there or just that you were promoting that on
1: your podcast? We were just promoting it on the okay. podcast. Okay, And so what that looked like was um, we we talked about it, you know, instead of having an ad, I would just talk about it. You know, you do your introduction and you say, okay, before I introduce my guest, th- let me tell you what's going on, right? Like Like an ad. And then the response we got was, fans of the podcast wanted to be there. I mean, it was, hmm. we, I got there and the women were all going, oh my God, did you guys hear episode number 21? And oh my gosh, Sandra, and one of my favorite episodes was this other one. And oh my gosh, Sandra, I read all the books that you recommended that we read for just like, it was, it was the most generous and wonderful and beautiful feedback I've ever gotten because it was so um, unexpected. And I how, mean, oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, no. So I guess my point is, is that from the very early on, we really tried and apparently succeeded in connecting with our audience. They came as like fangirls of the podcast. (laughs) Uh
0: Oh, now how far into your podcast was it when you had the in-person retreat? Okay. So that would have been about two years, two years in. Okay. Yes. And When you, so you're like the first season, you said you were really just trying to kind of use it as high level networking, which is definitely a reason why people do it. And and it is good for that. And you just happened to build an audience and you were able to book a high level guest. So I guess we'll start there. Kind of that like early wins that first year. Um, How did you find the guest? Who was it? And how did that kind of springboard you forward maybe?
1: Yeah. So um, I think it was actually really uh, lucky that we started primarily as an interview-based show because for the reason you just said, high-level networking. But what that did is it kind of took the pressure off of us having to come up with something new to say each week, right? Mm-hmm. I could do that now, but back then I really put the focus on the guest. I, I don't want to make these interviews about me and getting my thoughts out there. I mean, they're the expert I'm interviewing. I want them to do most of the talking. I want, I want to pull out of them some really like light bulby moments or some um, tangible takeaways for the audience. And I think that that is why the show became successful fairly quickly. Along with the fact that, like I said, in the very beginning, there there weren't a lot of other design shows and podcasting in general was new to the design world. Mm -hmm. But um, I I think it's so important as an interviewer that you that is a skill you need to cultivate. And I have thoughts about that. I don't want to jump around too much. But anyway, so to answer your question. Um, So the very beginning, we're really just concentrating. after the the first couple of episodes when we went, oh, my gosh, this is about the audience. Uh, This this is about the building an audience, not about us connecting with the high level guests. Right. Okay. Then we started really focusing on the content and making sure that it was stellar. So. We're doing it for. I don't I don't remember now the details, but we were at a conference a design conference, and Maxwell Ryan, who is the founder of Apartment Therapy, which if you're in the design world, you know Apartment Therapy is this huge website platform um, that really blew up when it first started, and it's sort of just ticking along now. But you know, we're talking millions of followers. He he had just written a book of, of one of many, and he, so he was there. He he was the keynote speaker, and then he was signing his book, and so. I just said to my business partner, we have to have him on the show. And we were nobody, you know? I mean, we weren't recognized as designers, but we also barely, you know, we had barely started the podcast, but we pulled up our big girl panties and I walked up to him and I said, hi, I'm Sandra. Thank you so much for signing our, uh, our my book. We have a podcast about design and would you be interested in being a guest on our show? <laughs> I mean, I had like five Guess seconds, you-, you know? Yeah. And he said, huh? You know, I'm really curious about this whole podcast thing. Huh. So, yeah, I think I would like to do that. And so it was timing. It was, first of all, uh, you know, you've got to put yourself out there. You know, I mean, looking yeah. back like, oh, that was so easy to walk up to Maxwell Ryan and just introduce myself. But back then it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Got to put, you have to ask the worst they're going to say is no. Right. Exactly. And then secondly, it was a timing thing. Podcasts were new. He was kind of interested in it. He didn't know anything about it. So yeah, I want to join it. And I think, I think having some kind of hook for people that, that makes it seem like, oh, this is something fresh. This is a different perspective. This is a different Mm -hmm. way to talk about the stuff that I talk about all day long. I think that that really helps. So we got Maxwell Ryan. And then from then on, when we were out pitching other guests, we, you know, of course, you're going to mention Maxwell Ryan was one of the guests. Right. And then that just that, you know, how that snowballs. And by the way, yes, we were pitching people for the first three years. Now, PR agencies, publishers right. and designers themselves. People like us. me. <laughs> yeah, I have, I do very little pitching anymore to potential guests because they come to me, which is so nice. But, you you know, in the beginning, you, you have to pitch. Yeah, yep.
0: And if you have something in mind that isn't being sent your way, that's like, I, I really want to find somebody on whatever the topic is. And yeah. yeah so, so that, I mean, that, and people ask. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to give a little sneak peek here for my listeners. I haven't, I haven't um, announced this formally yet. But in the new year, another reason that I wanted to bring Sandra on is because I am going to start um, right now, we're, Booking our clients as guests on other podcasts. And we're going to start actually producing and managing shows for clients who want to get started. So wow. for the strategy part of it and, and helping guide them in, in how to grow this thing, I thought um this could be this could be really cool. So um yes. yeah, that that's another that's another piece. And so I know that sometimes just finding the guests can be a very time consuming process. So in those first couple of seasons or so, I mean, how did you feel like just from a, and and I only want to go on this tangent just briefly, but it's a question that I definitely get is how much time is involved. So, you know, especially early on, um, when you're kind of fighting for everything and figuring everything out, um, can you give a quick, cause I know you said you wanted, and you told me earlier, you know, we wanted our quality to be top-notch and we wanted the content to be top-notch. So what kind of time, if you're doing everything yourself, would you say you put into that on a weekly basis early on?
1: It It's definitely changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and you definitely get better at certain things and they, be, they do take less time yes. in the beginning. Because we weren't trying to sell anything yet, we mm-hmm. knew we wanted to sell something eventually. But we were we 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 just really believe that you have to build an audience first before you can sell something to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, finding guests was probably a little bit less time consuming than writing pitches to them. Okay, and then editing the show, uh, researching them to come up with good questions and then editing the show. And I say that, and I think this is really important because, because I get so many bad pitches. Yes, (laughs) talk about that. (laughs) Yeah. So, so luckily, I guess, um, because I have a writing background in a previous life, I kind of, I mean, my writing can always improve, but I, I think that I probably had a different way of pitching. I, I really, I didn't focus on my credentials and and you know how great I am. I focused on the person I wanted to have on the show and and i it was very clear about what specifically I wanted to talk to them about mm-hmm. and how I thought it would benefit both of our audiences, yes, so I think I think we wrote very personalized pitches, and that was very time consuming, yeah but without it we we just wouldn't have the gas i mean it was so worth it it just had to be done right um which is why people maybe hire other people to do it for them because it is so 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 time consuming and you do have to be good at it um so yeah that that did i mean remember the podcast was all we were doing like i said we weren't trying to sell anything so all of our time was devoted to every aspect of the podcast. Okay. I don't know if I answered your question because I can't give you a number of hours. It just, yeah. I just can tell you it was a big chunk of our of our time.
0: Yeah. If you were just kind of thinking maybe in percentages like the editing, producing, publishing,
1: chunk, the promotion chunk. Yep.
0: I, I feel like <laughs> recording the show is
1: the easiest. It is. It's part. the it's an hour. I mean, it's right. the least amount of time. Yeah. Um, I would say... I would say actually the thing that probably takes the the biggest chunk and it it kind of sort of still is in a tie is um, researching the person to get fabulous questions Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I, I go pretty deep. I mean, they have to have something that I want to talk about to begin with. That's the conversation we have when they're pitching me. Right. But, but once I know that, yes, this is a cool person. Um, I read interviews that they've done elsewhere, I've listened to podcast shows that they've been on, I um I read blog posts that they've written, I read um and listen to other interviews that they've been on. I mean, I do a lot of research. Yeah. Because I'm looking for those little those little nuggets of wisdom that I know are going to go to my, you know, my um listeners' minds that's going to blow them up. And so I want to make sure I'm crafting questions that's helping tell a story. Right. Right. And so that really does take, and again, I've gotten better at it. And so it's not as, you know, it's not as Mm -hmm. time consuming as it was, but that still takes, that still takes a a amount of time. And then the, you know, in first place tie with that is the editing. Um, And I will say that there are a lot of people that can edit shows for you. I have never done that. And I don't know that I ever will. It would have to be somebody that knows me and my brand really, really well because the other thing the other reason why i think our podcast has loyal followers is that i'm very very intentional about creating a story arc in what they're listening to it's a very directed conversation it's not all over the place we don't spend time talking about random things like cappuccinos and dogs it's it's very um it's very instructional it's inspirational it's informative and there's a through line there's a story arc to every single episode. And I think that's why people don't get bored. They don't really trail off. They kind of stick with it. it. You know, it it's so anyway, that that to me is very, very critical. So that's the other major thing I spend my time on. Like you yeah. said, recording that that doesn't take very much time. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: It's the, it's the initial, who am I gonna get? What am I gonna talk to them about? And then um, yeah, editing, whether you're actually doing that or not. And then the promotional piece. So, uh, yeah, yeah I always tell people the lap, the, you don't need to really be worried about recording. Once you have the equipment set up, it's all the other pieces yes. that, that yeah yes. can, can add up. Um, so that, you know, I, I'm sure first season is a little intimidating, just especially back then, like obviously technology has advanced since then. Yes. And But that first season, it seemed like the biggest challenge is probably figuring out how to do all this stuff and then how to get people. But probably I'm thinking once you booked, you know, a couple big names, did it feel like confidence grew and you said it kind of started to snowball? So that kind of became a little easier. And then so you're seeing your audience grow that first season. You're seeing you're getting bigger names, which is probably also helping downloads yep. and yep. and were your biggest goals with with booking those people um trying to get them I think you said like to have them link to your mm-hmm. blog mm-hmm. on theirs okay and so then after that first season like were there shifts were there we should do more or what did that when when did you start to kind of have the next evolution
1: so I think for the first two years of the show, we were really trying to figure out what our brand was going to be and what what we wanted to sell. How did we want to monetize? Mm-hmm. And in all honesty, I think I wouldn't give the, that time up for anything. And, and I, I absolutely needed to have a business partner um, for many reasons up until that point. But I think also... When you do work with somebody, sometimes you start having different ideas and different, Mm -hmm. you know, priorities for how you want the business to be. And so we just kind of floundered for a couple of years, to be Mm -hmm. completely honest, on the monetizing side.
0: Okay. You know, our
1: goals were always were never have always been, you know, quality content um, with quality guests, but it was kind of a mess the first couple of years, honestly. Mm -hmm. So it really wasn't until 2018 that when I got to just kind of, when I wasn't fighting with another vision, I was able to decide who my audience was, what my brand was, what I wanted to be all about, how specifically I wanted to help people. And so But the nice thing is, is that I, but after that, I had two years of content backlog. Like, I mean, that's the thing about content. When you put the time into creating it and being really consistent with creating it, like a weekly podcast, it's going to boost your business. It's going to be the, the breath underneath your business Mm. forever, And I think that people sometimes make the mistake of selling as soon as they start making content Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and it does work for some people. Sometimes you, you know, it's like catching lightning in a bottle and it takes off. But I think for most of us mortals, I feel like having that base of content first, makes the marketing of something. And then when you come up with a business idea or a product idea, it's just so much easier. Yeah. You've got, you've got a backlog, you know, you've got, you've got something to show, a potential sponsor, a potential guest, like look what we've done.
0: And you hone your message so much more yes. just by doing it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So then you felt like, okay, you have some confidence, you have this wind in your sails yes. and you were ready to monetize. What was the first, the first Avenue you decided, I I want to go ahead and test the waters with, with this
1: and well, it was how crazy because it was the in-person retreat, which is crazy oh, because okay. it's, it's so much money up front. <laughs> yeah, no you kidding. So it, uh, but I, I knew my audience would love it. Mm-hmm. I knew that they, I mean, everyone who's listening to the show is like, ah, oh, you know, I love stuff. I mean, nobody was a professional. The show isn't for professionals. Mm-hmm. It's for everyday homeowners who right. just love beautiful spaces and want to learn how to bring it into their own homes. And so luckily that hunch paid off. but after doing one or two of them, I realized this isn't going to sustain me because I can only do like maybe two a year. Yeah. And while it's like a, the highest ticket item we have in our arsenal of, of services and products, it's also uh, for a very small amount of people. I mean like eight people, you know I mean, I needed yeah. something that was going to be um, more scalable. Right. and So then um, online courses were coming up and that was turning into kind of a big thing. And I thought, OK, this makes a lot of sense because this is for people who can't afford to meet me in person, but I can still share lots of valuable ideas through video lessons and through live Q&A's and that kind of thing. Yeah. So that was what was next. Do you want me to talk well, what's, just, after that yeah. or do you want to dig into that?
0: well i would say even going back to the retreat so um when you were promoting cuz that that is a that's a high ticket item so how long did you promote and and um i'm assuming you know just kind of listening to more recent not you know 5 years back but um that your approach was kind of the same that you're more just kind of sharing and talking than sign up tomorrow this is it you know just I think for people who it's, okay, I want to have a podcast because I want to be able to monetize. So for something, especially that, wow, that can feel intimidating because that is a big ticket event. There's only so many slots. People have to travel. Um, You know, How did you go about that kind of promotional process?
1: I never would start with an in-person event. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was so naive. I didn't know. I just really wanted to do it um well it worked (laughs) yeah it did it did um but I've learned since COVID because I haven't done any since COVID that oh "Oh, I can sustain this business without them too although I do want to go back to doing them but anyway um I knew people would need a couple of months preparation Mm -hmm. because they have to get plane tickets and all that kind of stuff and they have to save up for it maybe um so we started or I guess I started talking about it a couple of months before maybe even three months yeah. before the retreat was set to start
0: okay
1: and I, I did a couple of things and then I've gotten better at this over the years so the first time I did it was pretty clumsy but basically what I did was um like I said I started to, you know taking that little time in between the intro of the show and the intro of the guest you know I had my little 30 second plug about it And then I interviewed the person where we were staying because Hmm. the hotel we were staying in was absolutely gorgeous. And that was going to give us a lot of design inspiration. And she happened to be interior designer. So I did a whole show with her, which would naturally allow us to talk about the the upcoming retreat. We didn't focus on it, but it, it was just a natural way to talk about it. And then in another retreat, I did the same thing. But then I also interviewed somebody else that I knew was going to be like doing one of my workshops for me. Okay. Okay. So another good way. So, you know, in, in, and then I did a, and then I do a solo show. I did and do a solo show where I talk about some of the concepts that I'm going to be teaching over the retreat, but it's more about the why, like why are certain things important? It's not the how, because the how is what you learn at the retreat in person, uh, but the why we do it. And I think that that gives people food for thought. It makes them feel like they're learning something, but it also really inspires them to take that next step, which is, okay, now how do I do this? I need help implementing. Yeah. So at least three episodes of the show are somehow aligned with the retreat. Okay. Okay. Okay, without it feeling salesy or forced, Mm -hmm. right? Then, of course, there's social media. And then, of course, there's your email list. And that's another thing. Right from the beginning, we had a lead magnet um, or an opt-in, what, you know, there's called so many different things nowadays, where people could sign up to receive something small from us, like a workbook or worksheet or whatever, in return for the email address. And I guess that's, along with being really consistent with your podcast is, your email list is is gold. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I really don't sell that much to people outside of my list. It's very rare that somebody finds me, say, on Instagram and just buys from me. Okay. They're 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 you know, first of all, they're probably a listener of the show, first and foremost. Right. And then secondly, they're on my list. Yeah. So I'm not cold selling to them. I've been emailing them, I've been giving them lots of helpful things and inspirational things through the show and through the through emails so that there's that no like and trust factor before I end up, you know, trying to sell to them. Yeah, so you don't have that,
0: to manufacture that. That's just already yes. there. Yeah. Yes.
1: And so, so, and I do that for anything I'm going to launch, mm-hmm. not just the retreats, all of that that I just said.
0: Okay. Love it. So you're that that's true. So you have people who are um, opting in. You have some shows that are specifically devoted to a few different angles. Yeah, love that from a PR perspective. It's like, okay, yep. I want you to think about this in a, multiple ways, right. kind of wet your appetite. And then you're just each time doing kind of some, some form of little promo in addition to the email and then yes. stripping that into social media. So
1: Okay. And then ideally you're also taking photos of people during the retreat so that you can use them for your next launch. Yeah. Look at what so it good. looks like. Or or you know, little videos where you can then use those in, you know, your promos and stuff like that.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. So smart. Have to do that. People want to see yeah.
1: it. what's it like? All the yes. visuals. Yes. Exactly. Wow.
0: So then, okay. So then you you had this retreat worked out and you thought, how can I scale this a bit more so that it's feasible for more people? So what was the process of, you know, with your podcast, um, promoting, bringing people along? So I'm going to give them a little sneak peek to what we're going to talk about at the end. I had already mentioned her October 30th episode, which we will dive into a little bit more. But I love how she's she's working on this book. Sorry, I'm giving it away a little bit, but um, <laughs> she it's still it's still a work in progress, and she definitely says, "I want to know what you think. Email me here, or you know, reach out here. Let me know. I want to make sure what I'm doing resonates with you, so they get to be a part of it, and you're including them the whole process. And like that, such smart marketing. So, can you tell us a little bit about the online course process in terms of when you were first promoting your online course, how you either involved your audience in any of that process, or if you didn't, then um, what that looked like to promote that on your podcast a little bit into the strategy
1: and how that played out. Okay, sure. So it that has also evolved over time. I've I've just learned a lot by doing and making mistakes. Um, there's this quote out there It's something about, uh, you either win or you learn or, or something, mm. right? There's no losing. And I really believe that, uh, it doesn't feel like it at the time, but it, it certainly is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, all right. So I had the, the retreats going and then knew that, okay, I need to, I need to add something else, another product or service. And, like I said, online courses were starting to become kind of popular and I thought, okay, let me, let me package this into a course. Um, I, I always, let me say that again. I often survey my audience. So maybe three times a year, I send out a survey by, you know, to my email list looking for feedback and, I think the key there is to be really specific about what it is you're looking for. So you, you're asking the right questions. So you're getting the data that you actually, that you actually want. Okay. Um, there's an art to this too, right? And I've gotten better at knowing how to ask the questions, but um, it, it, one of the things that people struggle with and, and have uh, that, that hasn't changed. Like the number one thing people struggle with still, at least in my audience is how to mix everything together you know they they have um they have different styles going on they've got hand me downs whatever they like different things how do they mix it all together so i always use that as the basis for whatever it is i'm going to create what whatever their like top 3 problems are okay i think these surveys are really really useful and they ensure that you're you're creating something that people actually have a problem that they want solved right um so but, but i think It's taken me a little while to really put myself out there and say, like literally, "Do you want this? What is your issue? Please let me know." I really, you know, I mean, you really have to. You you can't just say that once. You have to say it. I say it occasionally on the show. I say it um, on my my lead magnet, my opt in. I, Hmm. you know. I do a little bit of a back and forth with people. And I say, I ask them then, what do you need? What are you having trouble with? What is your biggest obstacle? And then I certainly do it leading up to launching a a service. I want to know, am I tapped into what's really going on, what their immediate crisis is? Mm -hmm. So that's one strategy when I first, when I launched this course, the first time I did it as a kind of like a bare bones um, uh, beta test. And okay. and so I priced it lower. And I said, I told everybody bear with me, I am, you know, this isn't going to be beautifully done. This is going to be my raw teaching with you guys and getting feedback from you out every week. Like, okay, is this making sense? Do you like the format? Do you like the the style of teaching all of that? So I did that a couple of times and, um, it was okay. I feel like I really struggled with nailing down my ideal client and my, I was still not a hundred percent sure about what exactly it was I wanted to teach people
0: Okay.
1: in the background. The podcast is going, 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 it's growing, you know, now I do have sponsorships, so I'm getting some money there. Um, and then I thought, okay, my whole thing is slow style. And so trying to do a course on making over a room in four weeks, that seemed a little bit antithetical to who I am and everything I believe in. And so I thought, okay, maybe a membership would be better. Maybe something that's ongoing that can Mm -hmm. be done slowly would would be better. So then I developed that. And I think that's when I really started to hone in on my framework that I want to teach people. Gave it a name, I call it Slow Style. You know, All of that kind of stuff came through working through the membership, and again, I did a beta launch where I charged like fifteen dollars a month for you know life if you join me on this in this membership that I haven't even created yet, mm-hmm. um, and that has been a real work in progress of getting people's feedback and tweaking things, and um, and so now it's at a place where the whole business now is at a place where I really understand the purpose of the podcast and the purpose of each of my individual services. They're all unique and they're all, but they're all part of the the bigger business vision of what it is. I want to share with the world, how I want to help people, you know, the, the, what kind of a difference I want to make. Okay. And so
0: <clears throat> what, for, for people who are starting out today, how would you kind of help them leapfrog through maybe some of the things that you stumbled around to kind of what
1: you found out today? Right. So I think that if you're thinking about starting a podcast or if you already have one, but you maybe haven't using it, been using it to its full potential, I think, I think it's a great idea to think of the the podcast as the foundation of your entire business. It's Hmm. your primary way of establishing expertise of getting in front of an audience on a weekly basis, mm-hmm. um, of getting right in their ears, literally if they're listening to you on earbuds, of having a long form piece of content where you've got their attention because they're driving or they're, you know, they may not have their full attention, maybe they're cooking or they're exercising, but it's this intimate um, platform where y- 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 when they listen to you over and over again every week after week, your goal is for them to feel like they're, they're listening to a friend.
0: Exactly, totally agree.
1: so personal. And so uh, use the podcast as the foundation. this is this is your main way of building an audience. And it's how you get, like I said, it it your expertise is established, but also just your business credentials in general when you are consistently putting out good content week after week. And then as you're doing that, I think, and this can change, but, but I think having that one thing in mind, what do you want to be known for? What do you, who, what are you the go-to person for? And have that be sort of your guiding light for the business as a whole. And that'll help you make sure your podcast is staying on, on topic. It'll make sure you're getting the right kinds of guests. It'll make sure you're putting out the right kinds of services Those services that you offer, they can be tweaked or changed or some let go of or some new things added as I have done. Mm -hmm. But the consistency has been the podcast that is just seven years, always been there. And it has allowed me that ability to kind of get information from my audience, see what people really need. And then also um, sort of maturate my own framework for what it is I want to teach.
0: Yeah, I I feel like, you know, for for me and just other other podcasters I talk to, it is it's this journey. And so I feel like for people who who think I can't start until I have it all figured out, it's kind of like you need to have a few things figured out, but it is the vehicle that will help you do that.
1: It sounds like that's that's been the case for you as well. I, I truly believe you cannot learn anything or get better at anything unless you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes, that's big part of my uh, philosophy on style as well that, that right. people have to roll up their sleeves and like, you got You can't just be creative or be born with creativity. You got to actually get in there and play around. Um, but anyway, in business, I mean, for sure, you have to try things. You have to expect to quote unquote fail. You have to expect things not to work out and you're just going to keep getting better at it.
0: Yeah. It takes time. It takes time. And then, so for the strategy, I feel like, you know, there's, there's certainly in, in the intro, you can kind of promote a product or service or the outro or both. Um, And then you're saying, you know, when you have something coming out that's new or you're working on it, sounds like when you're still working on it, it is something that you really involve your audience with. Here's what I'm thinking. Does this resonate with you? What do you find are your biggest issues? Let me know. And then as it's kind of maybe moving more into launch mode, it's what are a few different angles and you you had talked about with the in person how you had the person who owned the hotel, who was an interior designer talk about here's where you'll be staying, what you'll see, what's involved. And then you had a workshop leader and then you had um just you um yeah. share shared one in a solo show so if that is a an online course a membership something like that um i'm assuming it's it's a similar approach even though some of those may just all be you sharing different facets of of right. whatever it, the product or service is but right. any any more thought into strategy of promoting um promoting New things and doing it in a way that's kind of a less salesy approach,
1: yeah, well, the 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 episode that you referenced earlier that I think you're linking to, um, that's a great example of one of those solo episodes serving a couple of different uh, purposes. One, I truly do want feedback. Um, you know, I'm I was what I shared in that episode was what I had been working, it was like a bes- behind the scenes episode. Mm-hmm. And I think behind the scenes episodes are um, they're really great strategies, it, but you have to there has to be a strategy there. It's not just like, oh, this is my office and this is, you know, what my day is like and this is when I take my coffee break. I mean, there has to be a there has to be a reason that your audience is going to listen to that. It's mm-hmm. got to be some piece of your behind the scenes has to be helpful to them, right? And so my thinking behind that episode was was twofold. One, I'm putting um, I'm putting a book out into the world or a book proposal that hopefully will actually materialize. And I was about to launch this newly revised online course, same title but really, really revised. And so I wanted a way to float those ideas out there. I don't even know if I had dates in mind yet of when I was going to release either of those yeah. things, but I but I wanted to start the conversation. I wanted to start planting that seed in people's heads. And you can't do that a week before you launch. You got to right. back it up, right? Right. Um, And then I also, because now my framework for what I teach has become so much more clear to me, and therefore I think I'm going to be able to teach it so much better. I wanted to double check. Is this resonating with people? Yeah. I wanted sort of to do that market confirmation thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that. Sometimes when we ask for feedback, you can go down this, this sort of slippery slope of going, oh, one this person wants that. Oh, this person wants that. Oh, this is the feedback I got. And then you kind of get scattered and you lose yourself and what you really want to do because you're just trying to please a bunch of people. And I think that has happened to me when I've asked for that kind of feedback. But this time, I was so clear in my head about I know what I want to offer. Mm. I want to just make sure that my current audience is the audience that's going to align with what I'm about to put um. out Okay. And it's a great way to test it. And um, I think when you are always asking for feedback, when you're always putting it in your email saying, hey, hit reply, let me know, let me know what you think, share something with me. You know, I have lots of back and forth email conversations with my listeners. And I think at first people, I mean, a lot of times people say, I have no idea if you're actually reading these, like the emails, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And I get that. I mean, I'm just a voice to them. Right. But when you actually do respond, oh my gosh, there's so much rich information in there that you're going to get from people. And it's a way for you to connect with them. It's a way for them to trust you and know you and like you. And um, when you ask for it all the time and when you're sincere in it, Mm -hmm. they are going to be used to giving you feedback. If you only ask for feedback once a year or right when right when you're launching, or let's say you do a free workshop and you want you know feedback on how did you like the workshop, it's just not that useful. You got to do it all the time.
0: Hmm. yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So that's been probably the biggest tools, just engaging them constantly throughout yes. the process, so it doesn't feel like a sale. It just feels like a continuation of the conversation. Yes. That you've already had with them. That sounds like your secret sauce.
1: Well, and so so that was one. That was the strategy for that particular episode. Mm-hmm. I also do Q and A episodes. So okay. I'll go back through all my emails mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll look yes. for questions that people have asked, and I'll do a I'll do a solo episode on. Hey, I'm going to just answer your questions. And right before, like two weeks before, I might I might put out an email too, saying, Hey, I'm about to do one of these episodes. Send me your questions. But what that does. First of all, it makes my listeners feel like I'm really paying attention to them because I'm answering their actual questions. And it's very Uh, important that you read their question verbatim so that it sounds like them as it feels authentic and real, but two, it gives them an idea of my teaching style. And if I'm about to sell them a course, Mm, I want them to feel like, oh, I get how she thinks through my questions she's thorough. She understands the different layers. She understands the sort of anxiety that that I might have underneath the question, you know? So um, there's just, there's just so many ways to use your podcast to promote whatever it is you're doing. And it's all in service to others. And it's always about how can I be helpful?
0: One last question about this. um, Sponsors, when did you bring them on? And I guess at what point did you bring them on? And did you initially seek them out, or did you have people come to you, and you just decided, I guess it's time?
1: Um so we we wanted to start bringing sponsors on fairly early on because, like I said, we weren't monetizing in any other way. And we didn't really we knew we were just going to do the podcast for a little while without making any money. Mm-hmm selling anything. So um, we, I think it was probably our second season. And we basically went to maybe four of our previous guests who were, who had something to sell, not, um, not um, designers, but like, you know, we interviewed guys that made furniture and we interviewed somebody that um, started a company with all organic fabrics Mm. Um, you know, so we had a couple of guests like that and we just emailed them and say, Hey, we are looking for sponsors for a show and we'd like to build up, uh, relationships with sponsors. Would you be willing for us to give you like two free weeks mm. so that then I can send those clips of, of ads to sponsors that I want to hit up for actual money? I didn't say it like that, but (laughs) basically I, I, I offered people that I really liked and connected with on the show and just said, Hey, I'm going to do this for free for a couple of weeks Mm -hmm. for this reason so that I can then, and then, I mean, half of them then bought sponsorships from us. Nice. So it was just about making those kinds of connections and you have to have something you can show potential sponsors. Mm -hmm. If you haven't done it before, you got to start somewhere. And sometimes you have to offer something for free. Yeah. So that's how it started. And then um, I think we went after sponsors for a little while and then they would start coming to us individually. And then I joined Asta Network, which is like a kind of a business network for female podcasters. And they sometimes hook me up with sponsors. Like I said, it's not a huge part of our Mm-hmm. How we make money and I I don't love it. And so I don't anymore really go after sponsors. Oh, okay. Okay. I I, I you know, you can only do so many things and only prioritize so many things. And if That's I hard. had, you know, I have like one part-time person helping me with the podcast production and then one other person that sort of does my social media. And, you know, I, I just if I could hand it off to somebody else, I would, but I can't. And so therefore it just doesn't get done. I just don't go after sponsors. Yeah.
0: Got it. Got it. But I love how you take, you you definitely take a multifaceted approach to how can I do my podcast? And it's not just, oh, I have to get this content out this week. It's really a living, breathing. This is where I interact with, engage with, have a conversation with my community. So, and it sounds like that's just kind of given you so many ideas and allowed for so much that I feel like that can kind of take pressure off instead of feeling like this is where I have to kind of show up and perform and really win people over and sell them. It's just, I'm just showing up as me. Here's what's yeah. going on. I'm interviewing these cool people. And by the way, this is what's happening behind the scenes. What do you think?
1: Exactly. Um, I just,
0: I love that approach. I think, especially working with women, there's so much more, you know, they're great communicators and they don't want to have to put on this kind of fake front. So I, I, I just feel like you're showing you're such a great success story of how to let it naturally come mm. through you, your passion, your desire to help your community. It just, you know, you have strategically moved it along. You had that in mind. But the way that you, the approach that you use to do that is something that is um, it's just who you are. So so really, it's really what anybody
1: can do. You just, you know, if you just always ask yourself, how can I be of help?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It takes the pressure of being salesy and it gives you something to talk about. It, it gives you a path to ask questions about, you know. Um, I think anybody can do that. And the other thing I just want to mention real quick is that, you know, when you first start your podcast, nobody is going to know it exists. So that's great. You get to like kind of have some dress rehearsals, right? Some bad podcast episodes or ones that are (laughs) not perfect um, for, you know, for a couple of weeks before people start discovering you. So that's kind of nice too. Yeah, it is.
0: It is. Oh, well, thank you so much, Sandra. And, um, you know, slow style, which we kind of alluded to. Um, if you want to share real briefly
1: what that means, and then we'll definitely
0: uh, send those those links in the show notes as well.
1: Sure. And I will keep this brief. Um, so slow style is an approach that involves figuring out who you are, what you like, who you want to become, and, and how your house, your home can help you achieve those things. It's not product oriented. It's uh, more of a a process of introspection, and then learning how to express who you are, what you love, what you're passionate about. Visually, it's a visual autobiography. It's, it's, mm. you know, that's what the design represents. Yeah. So there, it really, when, because it's slow, it takes, you don't have to have everything done at once. In fact, you shouldn't have everything done at <laughs> once. You take your time, you acquire things, you really learn who you are and what you love. You develop your eye using certain skills that I teach. And you embrace the idea that your dream home is a process, right? It's not a finished yeah. product, yeah. it's a it's a it's an active thing that is supposed to happen over time. And that's yeah. that's basically what slow style is. So yes, and everything about me can be found at littleyellowcouch.com. I keep it very simple. Everything be, be, can be found there.
0: <laughs> yes, check her out littleyellowcouch.com you can also get her podcast there which is style matters or just look up style matters wherever you listen to podcasts and she also has a free style guide that is on littleyellowcouch.com style dash mashup and that's where she kind of chatted about mixing if you're like i like all kinds of things how does this work she helps you with that it's great so right. check and you'll get, out. A, you'll get a sense you'll get
1: you'll get to see what my free opt-in looks like you know from a yes. business perspective right so yeah yeah
0: and I'll, I'm also going to include the October 30th episode because I think that's great because it is so important to share with your audience this is who I am this is what I'm all about and that episode is does a great job of how you might do that it gives a great example and it shares if you want to follow along um, it shows exactly what she's all about and how she engages so please check it out. Thank you so much for all of your time, Sandra. I really appreciate it.
1: Christine, thank you. Thank you for all the kind things you've said about me. You're very, very sweet. And um, I've really enjoyed it. And I look forward to you and I continuing these conversations for a long time.
0: Oh, me too. Thank you so much. And everyone, we'll see you next week. Until then, have a great week. To succeed in business, you need brand awareness, authority, and trust. To get those, you need visibility. Podcasts offer each of these. It's a unicorn platform because it gives you the scarcest resource in digital marketing, attention. Did you know that 80% of podcast audiences listen to the entire episode and more than 50% consider buying from a brand or individual that they discover on a podcast? Building your own show and audience takes years. Grow faster by guest speaking on other podcasts to get more leads, build your SEO, and strengthen your brand. To learn how my agency can help, email me at hello at